So we're all on the same page. Define the gospel. Creation, the Old Covenant, the Immaculate Conception of Christ through the Holy Spirit, the New Covenant, and then Atonement, Sanctification, Justification, Salvation by Grace, the meaning of the power of the resurrection of Christ, the Holy Spirit bringing the kingdom of God to earth, and the promise of Christ's return, the new heaven and the new earth promised to us upon his return. I mean, stuff like that. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kid's ministry director talk about raising a Christ-centered family. We're not sure we know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Why don't you say welcome to Christ in the Chaos? Why don't you say welcome to Christ in the Chaos? Not our format. Okay, fine. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos. That's all staying in. <laughs> I'm Kathleen. I'm Joel. See? Consistency. Oh, well, obviously that wasn't consistent. Today our topic, on that beautiful note, is how to use the gospel as a, br- a blueprint for a thriving marriage. Yeah. Like the 10 steps to becoming a better Christian, but for your marriage. And we are going to define what we mean by gospel in this context and how to use that good news of the gospel to live out the kind of marriage Jesus has in store for us. But But before... before, That was so cool. Um, We get to that. We're going to check in. And I have been told by listener, (laughs) mini listener, that they do the weekly check-in now. Oh, that's kind of nice, actually. They weekly check in with their family and they go, hey... Oh, right. It's check-in time. All right. I'll stop making fun of you for that. No, listen to the podcast, but then just use this as a reminder that at some point today, grab your spouse by their lapels and check in with them. Of course, lapels. Um, Okay, sure. How are you, Joel? I was unprepared for that question. (laughs) Really? Uh, Because that's what we're doing right now. I just wasn't ready. I'm okay. We're past Easter. (sighs) Everyone's happier, but still pretty dog tired. Um. Work is fine. Kids are fine. Things are good. Last night. The our... kids are waking up earlier. Yeah. Why is that happening to us? I don't know. They've well, been waking so up between 7 and 7.20 their whole lives, and now they wake up at 6. We got really lucky because last night the youngest fell asleep on, there's a little couch in their room, and he fell asleep on the couch. And then definitely fell off the couch. Uh, he fell asleep on the floor. He's and on then a, there's a he very... got back up on the couch. Oh, that's funny. Because I heard the thump and I went in to check on him and he was back on the couch. And I, was like, I put okay. him on the couch again today. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's so much easier. He falls asleep with us laying down on the couch and then we just leave Which him there. Which is nice. I like when he falls asleep. Oh, it feels His so good. His older brother used oh, to always so fall good. asleep in my lap on the rocking chair. And he never does. Or oh. did when we had a rocking chair. Uh, now Maybe he just needed to be more horizontal. All that time we could have been putting him to sleep and he just needed to be more horizontal. Can we not refer to it as putting our kids to sleep? (laughs) Hey, you survived Easter. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, It was great for everyone who like listened. was like, oh no, Kathleen's having a breakdown. She did, but (laughs) Easter went great. I'm, I'm, um, I always have like edits for myself afterwards, but overall I was happy with the way it went down. I have a new assistant and she's like, I always have Joel and our really good friend, Alex, that always are like my kind of rocks when it comes to kids ministry and making things happen. But now I have a paid assistant um, and having her there to do what normally Joel and Alex would do so that I can, I mean, it was, it was a night and day difference in terms of um, working out logistics and the amount of stress that was into it. So I was so, um, 
blessed by her. And so that like for me, that whole experience was better because I got to focus more on kids. I focused on the kids the whole time. Um, I went around during the party and connected with each one of my ministry kids and, um, you know, hung out and it was just fun. And I it was good. And today I switched over to VBS or GS Kids Camp, as we're calling it this year, and um, made eight minders, um, neurotically labeled them and um, didn't really make a lot of forward progress. But um, it made me feel better to start the organizational structure. Um, so literally my first. You, you do love a good neurotic organization. Binder. Yeah. Our Whoa. kids today. Oh, no. Organized their toys. Got out the Ziploc bags out of the pantry. Mm-hmm. And then organized their Playmobil toys. We're organizing so we can find them right away. He goes, when I when I need it, I'll just be able to pull it right out of this bag. And I was like, oh, I broke our children. <laughs> this is something I... you say all the time. Yes, it's so true. All right, but I need a transition, so maybe you can pull one out of a bag. Time to talk about the gospel. So today's topic is about having a gospel-centered marriage. Um, and. I should definitely acknowledge earlier on, oh, oh early on, that um, this whole idea came from Brian Dembazix. Uh, he works for Lifeway. His book, The Gospel-Centered Kids Ministry, um, was the inspiration for my kids' ministry overall plan for the year, um, a parenting small group curriculum that I created, and for this podcast. Um, it's just that framework of the gospel this that he gives. This episode of the podcast, not the whole podcast. Yes, this episode of the podcast. That's pod talk for you. We're very fancy here. Um, but before we even get into that framework, I wanted to go over what we mean by the word gospel. And it in, means good news. Yes, in kids ministry, I say, I don't talk about the gospel. I say, uh, to, right now we're going to hear the good news. And the kids go, good news, um, because gospel is a fancy word. And um, good news is easy to understand. Is um, it though? So the first, some people refer to the first four books of the New Testament, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the Gospels. <laughs> the Gospels. And which contain the gospel, the good news, Christ has died and Christ has risen. When I was kind of Googling around for a definition of gospel besides good news, which is very vague, it's not really what we mean, um, is I saw one that said, uh, the good news of the revelation of Christ. And I thought, well, that is such a great definition because it's like how Christ reveals himself from creation to the very end. It but, sounds super good, but it's so vague. It could mean anything. Well, it just, it's not, that it's not vague that it could mean anything, but unless you knew what the full revelation of Christ is using it as the definition for gospel is not particularly helpful. So our framework and a very kid friendly, but also, podcast listener friendly way um, describes the full revelation of Christ as, and this is what the kids would repeat. God created people messed up. People couldn't fix it. So God sent Jesus. Jesus changes people. Jesus died and rose again. God is getting us ready. And um, that is kind of the full picture from beginning to end. Um, what God is getting us ready for is the return of Jesus, the new heaven and new earth that are going to be established. Um, but I feel like we're more worried about getting ready for that than what actually is going to happen. That's all kind of a big mystery. Um, and we have revelation to kind of give us some ideas. But it, I just don't spend a lot of time focusing on 
what's going to happen so much as just getting ready for it what's going to what happen. wants to know, but I think it's the thing we can do the least amount about. So let's let's get to the thing we can do the most amount about, which is fixing our marriage. <laughs> yes. Let's start with God created our marriage. No, God created each other. I guess he created our marriage too. Not really sure that that's true. Oh, just move on. Okay. So your spouse was fearfully and wonderfully made a child of God created for a purpose on this earth. Um, even when they leave their socks on the floor. So to have a gospel centered view of this, one of the things that I like to imagine in my head is even when I am the most frustrated with Joel, I imagine God picking up Joel and presenting him to me and being like, look what I made for you. Um, God created Joel and he is here and he is mine and we are one and that is our marriage. And if you picture God, the creator of heaven and the earth, taking your spouse by the shoulders, lifting him up and hand, putting him right in front of you and he being like, look what I made. Um, it's hard to treat that person poorly. And that's kind of the reality of what's going on. Um, it's kind of <laughs> interesting way of viewing it, that your, your spouse is a creation of God. And so what are you, why are you being mean? I like that. Yeah. I like seeing God in people. Well, it's like when your kid gives you that art project and let's, let's, let's put this in the so nicest possible way. So am I one of our way. children's art projects in this, in this Our metaphor? limited minds don't often look at the art. Like we look at the art and we don't really understand what the kid was trying to communicate, but we tell them that it's amazing anyway. Um, because we want to glorify the kid, right? And God's plan for you and that moment that I just want to like punch you in the face, not literally, but you know, that kind of like. She Rrr. means literally. Um, and I might not understand what he is doing with you. And I might not understand what he is communicating to me through you or what he is trying to ha- like build my patience or help me to be kinder, or whatever it is. That's I possible. may not However understand. However unlikely that there are times I have fallen off the path, and it is not God trying to send you a message. It is just me having failed. But you are a part of my picture, and you are a part of my world, and um, I want to glorify God by the way I respond to his creation. And you are not just his creation in this world, but you are his creation made especially for me for the rest of my life. And I think um, that there's something to that. I think we should try and see our spouses the way Christ sees them as the perfect rendition of artwork that he created just for your fridge. And even if you (laughs) don't think it looks like a lion, he sees the lion, the lion on the inside of the artwork that was there the whole time. We did God created. The next one is people messed up, which of course is perfectly aligned with the story from the big picture of the Bible. God created the earth and um, very soon after the fall happened, Adam and Eve, that whole apple thing, that awkwardness. The metaphor really falls apart for our marriage because I've never messed up. (laughs) Um, Adam and Eve did not trust. That really threw you off your game. (laughs) It's because it was so funny. Um, Adam and Eve did not trust God's goodness and truthfulness and believed that they were entitled to more than they were given. And, um, I wonder how that could apply to marriage. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I feel like that's giving Adam and Eve a bit of a too hard of a time. I think oh, they, yeah. just, they just brought sin into the world for all of. Yeah. Out of human fallibility. Yeah. Not out of 
they want more. They just uh, they, they saw something more. shiny and they messed up. They wanted more. And Ugh. um so one of the things to start with is to acknowledge that by the fall we are imperfect sinners. Um which is I think somebody that's easy to understand and internalize about myself. I'm like I am imperfect. I make mistakes. Um you know, I have forgiveness for those mistakes, but like when it's you and I'm like why aren't you perfect? Why didn't you Well, the difference being is you're used to me being perfect. Yeah, um no. Um, but the whole idea is like my expectations for, or I'm more forgiving of my sins. And actually, I'm more forgiving of the sins of everyone else in the world than I am of your sins. You don't have to live with everyone else. And I think that's something that is hard about marriage specifically, is you have to live with that person. And it's not like a roommate where that person can be a screw up and you can just be like, well, I don't have to deal with their stuff. They left their dishes out again. <laughs> so forget them. You know, if they want dirty dishes, they can get the plague or whatever. Well, it's like when you think of the two become one idea, it's like I am willing to like live with my own sin. We talked about this in a previous episode. I am willing to live with my own sin, but I don't want to live with yours and I don't want to live with the consequences of yours. Well, it's also easy. It's easier to deal with your own sins. Yes. Because you understand them. Well, you know I'm why the you did one them. that picked them. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you know why you're doing them. You yep. have all the reasons behind it. You have all the excuses. And you can work on them to try and be better. You can't work on me to make me better. You can't I mean, fix I could other try. people. Yeah. Only starts fights. That could take that'll take be in section four. But yeah, no, it it I think this dealing with our spouse's sins and being patient with our spouse's sins is and when I say sins, sin sounds so theological. I mean like it when your sense. spouse screws yep. up. Dealing with their screw-ups and being patient and giving them that patience because they're God's artwork is the hardest thing. Um, at the heart of sin is distrust. So that distrust in God's goodness and truthfulness for Adam and Eve and in us, uh, in a marriage distrust and um, entitlement and unmet expectations. Um, so how do you develop trust in a marriage? You fall backwards and they catch you. No, it is not a trust fall. Um, it's a, but it is two eyes, intimacy and integrity. Um, if you lack intimacy, like if you hide yourself, if you put on a facade for the other person, um, you can't really build trust with a person that's not presenting themselves yeah, fully to not you. Not the good kind of intimacy, emotional intimacy. <laughs> you have to be honest with your spouse about things. Who you are and what's going on and yeah. how you're feeling. Um. So in addition to intimacy for trust, you also need uh, integrity because a lack of integrity is if you lie, you break trust. If you don't have intimacy, you can't build trust. And if you lie, you break it. And a lack of trust in a marriage is a cesspool for sin. The other thing that... You know what um, didn't meet my expectations? That <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> the other uh, <laughs> thing that uh, Adam and Eve struggled with and that is at the heart of sin is that those unmet expectations. And these are absolutely killer for a marriage. Um, because I, if you like stop and think, what are you unhappy with about your spouse? Let me know out loud. Is it an unmet expectation? Because it probably is. And is it an expectation that you have communicated to them? <laughs> it's super unfair to hold something against your spouse if you haven't communicated to them that you want them to do that, he says, looking across <laughs> the table. Those, right? Yes. So unmet Unmet expectations can be overcome by communicating expectations. Um, it, like he said, it's not very fair to hold it against it somebody if you, if you didn't, didn't tell them. They yeah. don't know. 
That is the first rule of relationships that I think nobody follows is if you don't tell them, they don't know. I can't, I mean, I can't tell you how many people and nobody talks to me about the relationships, but the number of people who've had relationship problems. And I said, and they said, well, they did this or they didn't do that. And I go, well, did you tell them? No, but they should know. He says, looking across the table, I'm sorry. Who has said to him, you should know. Going back up to intimacy. Part of intimacy is anticipating your spouse's <laughs> needs before um, they have to communicate them to you. That is part of knowing your spouse. And yes. so. But going back to unmet expectations, part of dealing with unmet expectations is understanding that sometimes your spouse is just going to fall short. Yes. They're going to try their hardest. And he says, looking in the mirror, sometimes they're just not going to cut it. And we need to give them that, that space and that grace to fall and to not ruin our lives over it. You know, I mean, you're not going to let them get away with something that's hurting the family, but also... If they forget to pick their socks up, reminding them gently instead of getting mad that... Forgive that- us our trespasses yeah. as we forgive those who trespass against us. We have received grace and we should give it out. So God created, people messed up, and the next section is people couldn't fix it. Now, if you look at the Bible in terms of word count, most of the Bible is devoted to this idea. Um, we need God. <laughs> we cannot fix this brokenness on our own. Um, if you look through the big picture. It could be argued the entire Bible is dedicated to this subject. Yeah. It all leads up to Jesus. Jesus is there to fix the thing we can't fix. Yeah. Noah, Abraham, the Israelites coming out of slavery, uh, all of the kings, um, even after like 70 years in exile and like the decimation of an entire race pretty much. I um, mean, they come back and even then they cannot get it right. There is so much time and so many words and so many stories of like these people could not do this under their job own description power. the pharisees and sadducees their jobs was to come up with the rules you have to follow so that you can be a good follower of god here is what you here's what the ten commandments say you have to do here's what you have to do and couldn't cut it we need god to fix it because we can't fix it ourselves and so in order to acknowledge in our marriage that we need God. And um, we can do this individually, but we could also do this as, as partners. Um, is Probably do both. <laughs> brilliant idea. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Come together in prayer. Um, which, by you the way... You got ahead of yourself. Step one, acknowledge you have a problem. I think step one is get together with your spouse and say, hey, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. We need God. We need to make sure there's we God in our marriage. We just do like a prayer every day that's like, we need God. High five. I don't even know if that's a prayer or if it's just an acknowledgement. I was thinking something a little more long form than that, but it works. We I need like it. God. Um, <laughs> so asking for the Holy Spirit, praying with each other, being a part of a church community together, and um, reading the Word of God together. Praying together is something we should do. We, we, we almost did it after our prayer episode. We had a it's ramp, still and then we fell off. on my daily to-do list, and every day it gets highlighted as fail. We need to add it, um, uh, because I think that's part of acknowledging that we need God in our marriage. Yes. Is... We should get a marriage devotional. If you know of a good marriage devotional, email us. Email at... our small group leader? No, I, I am one of our small group leaders. You are Email us group. at uh, christinthechaospod at gmail.com. Uh, if you have a really good marriage devotional, because maybe that's what we need to get started. Um, maybe. And then we'll start with that high five. We need God. Um, anyway. <laughs> so God came to earth 
to be with us. So God sent Jesus. God created. People messed up. People couldn't fix it. So God sent Jesus. Um, and so this is Joel's favorite part of the gospel, um, the teachings and example of Jesus. Um, and we have a lot to work from that apply directly to all loving relationships, all relationships, but especially marriage. We have um, the words of Jesus where God says, you know, love each love other as God. I first loved you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so an example of love. Yes. Um, going to the cross for your spouse. And I think what, I don't remember what the Ephesians chapter is that basically like tells husbands, like hells, husbands, treat your, or, uh, get love on the cross. Yeah. Get on the cross for your wife. I love that section. So do I. Cause it falls with wives be obedient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Translations are the worst. I like, Oh, Corinthians love is love is patient. Love is kind. And that's not uh, something a Jesus quote, but it is. Well, it's, isn't it the revelation? Paul yeah. gets the, like, Jesus, the and spirit in him. It's Jesus taught us how to love. God's word. Yeah, no, Jesus taught so, us how to love with his actions. Uh, yeah. Getting on the cross for us. Sacrificial love. That is the sort of thing. I think when you go back to the unmet expectations idea that sometimes you are not going to get everything that you want and that sometimes you have to make concessions for your spouse and those kinds of, you know, it doesn't feel like getting on the cross to allow somebody to put a small pile of clothes in the end of their bed. Um, I'm sorry. Are it you does sure it feel doesn't? a little bit like that sometimes. Um, but I can sacrifice some things and he can sacrifice some things for me because that kind of sacrificial love is quite literally what makes the world go round by Jesus's example. Yeah, but it is only possible through Jesus. And uh, Jesus's example of uh, grace, obviously we are forgiven um, through his actions. But there's also just his like living example of, um, I think of the woman, let he who cast the first or who, who he is without sin, cast the first stone, the woman that was like clearly the sinful woman. There's like a few people in the Bible that they call the sinful woman, but basically like they were going to stone her and <laughs> Jesus was like, no, um, if you're without sin. Did you then- just giggle at saying <laughs> they were stoners? I totally did. Um, anyway. He is forgiving um, and all throughout the Bible, right? Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. I think you can throw out a few um, for your spouse. And um, yeah, and just that idea of endlessly pouring out um, like uh, he did with healing, like he did with teaching, like he did where he literally like taught and healed and cared for people until he could, till he like needed a break and like had to hide on a boat somewhere. that you've got a whole life with your spouse and the pouring out of love is something that's just going to keep needing to be done. So God created people messed up. People couldn't fix it. So God sent Jesus. Jesus changes people when they let him. Uh, and that's this, the hard part. Yeah. This is all about the concept of submission. Um, we come in as individuals to a marriage and become one and that requires submission of certain things. Some things you just have to lay down um, and, and let God and take over. And um, you must allow Jesus to change you for the betterment of the communion you have with each other. Um, or you're just host. This is just not going to work. Which I think, I think it's actually when kids are involved, it's really hard. Yes. Because it's easy to have strong opinions about what color the living room should be and then to say no 
I will sacrifice my will to yours. I will submit. We will paint the living room green. It's the it's the physical manifestation of two becoming one. It's like you can't get away from it that you both have. Um, and it's such an important, like it's such a, a thing claim. you feel like it's so important that it gets that it, done perfect. Yeah. It can't be right. It can't be good. It has to be perfect. Yeah. And your spouse is screwing it up. Okay. Let's be honest. Her spouse is screwing it up. Amen. And, yeah. I usually am. You're a better parent than I am. But mm. you still, even then, you have to let me parent and yeah. you can't. I, which, admit it. I'm good at that. Eh, I refuse to admit that. <laughs> I think I'm good at that. <laughs> but I think that. That right, going back to grace I, and forgiveness. Let's put it this way. I let you parent more than I want to. <laughs> the grace, the forgiveness, the patience when our spouses fall short. Those are all things we need to have. And we need to let Jesus change us to get those things, especially when our spouse is screwing up, especially, especially when they're screwing up parenting. How would you say you've changed for the marriage? You want a list? No, I mean, I, I have I some thoughts. everything about myself. And about the way I live and where I live and how I live and what I do and what my job is. And yep. not what your job is, but what your expectation for what your career would be. Yeah. And um, what I do with my evenings and what I do with my days and where I eat dinner on Sundays and how I organize my clothes and how I organize my dirty laundry. All right. We and get separating it. those things. Okay. You're welcome for Thank all of those so things, much. by the how way. How I do the dishes, how I make dinner. Every aspect of my life has been changed by you, most of them for the better, but everything about me has been changed by my marriage to you. I would say my, I don't consider my family to be materialistic at all. I literally like, that is not something that um, I would put on my family, but I grew up wealthier than the way we have decided to live our lives. And so that has been an adjustment. It was a harder adjustment when we were first married, and now I am more used to it. Um, well, when we were first married, it was way less voluntary. Yeah. Oh, we and had no money. But then now and, you have chosen a career in the church yes. over a career that could earn a lot more money. Yes. And it does change the way we live. Yes. I think for the better. I I mean I hope so. It, we've made choices, and I get to be with my kids. God created. People messed up. People couldn't fix it. So God sent Jesus. Jesus changes people. Jesus died and rose again. And this is that concept that we are um, reconciled to God through the death and um, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, that that reconciliation is something that can happen not just between us and God, but between us and each other. And um, this is really... It's the good news. It is the good news. Um we are forgiven so that we can forgive. When we internalize that forgiveness, when we let the Holy Spirit work that forgiveness in us, it gives us the ability to forgive in a way that we otherwise wouldn't be able to. And um, I feel like that that's something that's really activated in our marriage. I really don't have anything to add to that. You said that very succinctly. Well, and just, it's the idea you that- You had something to add to it. No, you're right. People see us bicker all the time. Um, but the reality is that we bicker because we communicate about everything. We don't hold in resentment. And then our and we're kind of bickery people. Yeah, we are. And our forgiveness is uh, very full. Um, we don't. What's the thing? We don't hold on to resentment. Both our excess of communication doesn't allow for hidden resentment. And then our forgiveness being um, the kind of forgiveness that God calls us to or as close as we could possibly be to it. Um, Even for socks on the ground. Even for socks on the ground. 
So God created, people messed up, people couldn't fix it. So God sent Jesus, Jesus changes people, Jesus died and rose again. And our last part of our gospel framework is God is getting us ready. And that is just to be clear, ready for the return of uh, Jesus Christ, the establishment of the new heaven, the new earth, um, that new creation coming to fruition. Um, So to do that, God has given us a couple of tools. He certainly gave you one. Yeah. Anyway, the um, <laughs> I think that deserved more of a laugh. Holy Spirit, um, pray for it and believe in its power in you, um, and pray for it in your spouse. I do this, praying for the Holy Spirit to be in Joel and be in the kids is my it's my number one prayer. It's what I start with. It's where I it's where I start. And me also, actually, that's my number one prayer. Spouse and the kids is number two. Um, Holy Spirit, help me to love my spouse well. Um, help me keep my. Uh, mine and their eyes and ear open to how we can love each other better. Um, and this helps me think of like, do you remember that one time I was taking a shower and, <laughs> okay. And I was in the shower and I was, podcast. uh, so angry because the shampoo had been taken out of the shower and I'm sitting there like dripping wet and like not wanting to run across our condo to go get the shower from the other bathroom. And I kind of sit there and I like had this wave and like at the time, I don't think I would have recognized it as the Holy Spirit, but I thought, you know what? Approach this with love. So I finished my, I think I had to go get the, sh- the shampoo myself, finished my shower, came out and I was like, hey, um, what, do you know why the shampoo wasn't in the shower? And the answer was the night before I had been asleep and Joel didn't want to wake me up because our master bathroom was very close to where I slept. So he had snuck the shampoo out of the shower and taken a shower in our other bathroom so that he wouldn't wake me up. So instead of blowing up about, I, why did you take the shampoo out of the shower and then finding out that it was for a kind and loving reason? It was like the Holy Spirit had acted in me, caused me to choose love over snarkiness. And I am so thankful for that moment because it was such a silly thing, but it taught me what the Spirit can do in the way that you treat other people in the moment for practical reasons. Um. The other thing about God getting us ready for that new creation is it sets our mind again on eternity. Um, we as a couple are living for the big picture and not today. Uh, like 10,000 year calendar. The, well, hopefully more than that. Um, we're talking about things like living um, out of fear and out of scarcity and out of dissatisfaction, which I think is the, the worst one for marriage um, with the scarcity. It's like, oh, we don't have enough money. Um, and we don't. We don't. Um, but we don't let that control us and it doesn't affect our marriage or fear. What if we fail? What if we make a bad choice as a family? Um, Joel is like the least controlled by fear person that I can like ever imagine. You I just, am always afraid. You go for it. But we're not, you are, that's the thing. You may be af- afraid, but you are not controlled by your fear. You take risks. You do things that scare me. And I like that. I think that that is eternal thinking. And the dissatisfaction is like, I wish I had more. I wish I could experience more. I wish I could have a bigger family. I wish I didn't have, I wish we didn't have kids or what, I wish I had a better job. We don't live in that. That is, that is today. That is not eternity. And we don't let those things poison the, the relationship we have with each other. And dissatisfaction, that's, mm, that's a killer because I think it's easier for people to say, hey, I have enough money or I don't let money control me or I don't have my anger, but that dissatisfaction of my spouse isn't who they should be. They're not perfect. Here's how they are perfect. They're not who I thought they would be. Yeah. Here's how they let me down. Here's how my job lets me down. Here's how my kids let me down. 
And if you focus on the dissatisfaction, you're going to miss, right? If you focus on what you deserve and what you don't have, you miss the things that you have that you don't deserve, that perfectness of those bratty kids and that frustrated wife, that it's just a wonderful thing to come home to. And so if you avoid anything, avoid dissatisfaction, avoid don't deserving let, anything. Don't let dis- dissatisfaction be what controls you. So that being said, God created people messed up. People couldn't fix it. So God sent Jesus. Jesus changes people. Jesus died and rose again. God is getting us ready. Framing your marriage that way is will cause a functional marriage to thrive. Um, but that's not to say that there are not completely dysfunctional marriages. And I would feel remiss to not point out that um, if you're dissatisfied because you're being abused or you're being uh, severely emotionally neglected or if something is just not functional in your marriage, um, that this is not a prescription that will solve everything. This is a ideal that will cause you to thrive, but it is not because you are failing or because you are not enough um, that a marriage is not working. When you live out the gospel, you will thrive. And when you live out the gospel together in marriage, you will thrive together. And that's what marriage is. Being together, thriving together, getting the last word. Uh (laughs) Aha. All right. Let's then move on to, I think, everyone's favorite segment. So that came up. So today we went to uh, the kids' swim school, and uh, Levi was in the water, Dane was sitting with me, and in the past few weeks, one of the only times I've let Dane have my phone, in fact, I would say the last few weeks, the only time I've let Dane have my phone to play games is during Levi's swim lesson, because we have to sit there in the room to make sure that Levi behaves himself. And there's nothing to engage Dane in the actual room. And I won't let him play over by the toys because it's too close to the exit. So today, because I'm terrible, I told Dane that he couldn't use the phone. I had brought him books. He didn't want to read them. And I said, "Uh, sorry, Um, then no phone. And he started crying, which didn't surprise me at all. Um, Got a heck of a fake cry. Oh, he's got a heck of a fake cry. But then he started saying, why God? Why? <laughs> over and over again, loud enough for the parents on both sides of us to hear. And all I said was, God doesn't have anything to do with this. You're not getting the phone. And um, it was just very funny. But I did make me pause because he has asked God for some specific things that obviously aren't going to show up like the Lamborghini in his Christmas stocking. Um, but this was like, him crying out to God in a moment of sadness. And he was Should right. Should we call it a win? And you were wrong. God has a lot to do with why he didn't get the phone. Why God? Why? God gave him a mother who loves him and is trying to make him a good person. That was not the moment for that conversation, but I agree with you. So, you know, it all comes back. I'm going to call it a win. Yeah. Okay. Let's pray ourselves out. Dear God, thank you for our spouses. Thank you for making these wonderful, flawed, perfect people for us and sending them into our path so that we could find them and find a relationship in them and 
find a relationship with you in them. Thank you for coming down and being part of our marriages and helping fix those places where we are broken. Thank you for your example. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience that you show us so that we know how to show patience for our spouses. Thank you for our children who just throw a curveball into all of that. Thank you for Kathleen. She is perfect. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos pod at email.com. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week. But even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos. <laughs>